I'm Tom, and welcome back to the State of Being podcast. In this episode, we hear from an 18 plus group and two projects, Beyond the Shed and Social Dreaming. While both projects were held in the events in July, we also have a special appearance from Harringate Shed alumni, Yamin Chodhury. First, we eavesdrop into a workshop of a group who are 18 years and above. This group of youth theatre members weren't allowed to mingle at the time due to the COVID restrictions. Overview effect was one, and the other one was called. 
unforgettable. Unforgettable. And it was almost forgettable. <laughs> Athena. Athena. Yeah. How old were you when you started Chicken Shed? <clears throat> Do you know how old you were? No. You were a little girl though, weren't you? I remember, well, you, I remember you as a little girl. Yeah? So, do you remember? Oh, yeah. What was your first show, do you think? What do you remember doing in the children's theatre? Tank Tank. Yeah. Tank come to Tales from the Shed. That's how long Athena's been. Wow. As a baby. Long time. Yeah. What about your first Christmas show? Do you remember a first Christmas show here? Uh, <clears throat> were you in... I've got a feeling you were in Pinocchio. And I think you were a blue fairy. Am I remembering that right? No? Mm -hmm. it looks a bit me. No? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, she played the fairy. Thomas, Thomas, how about you? How long have you been at Chicken Shed? Mm -hmm. I did people by here, I think. Since so you were 17? Yeah. And was the first show you were in, what do you remember what it was? It was called. called. Love. Feel the love. Feel the love. Was that your first one? Yeah. Or was it labelled? Was it the first Feel the Love? Yeah, okay, good. In 2016? Yeah. I'm not sure, I might have been the second one. Yeah, I think he. might be. Yeah, okay, good. I think I, I, Anna, how long? Mm. Five years. Only five years. Only five really, years, yeah. Really five years. When did you first start, Robin? My, I started when I was seven. You started when you were seven? Yes. Well, so I started Chicken Shed in 1986. 1986? What? This building didn't exist then. This building was just marshland. There was a big pond. Don't kill me. No, no, absolutely, 100%. We used to go to a church hall in uh, Whetstone called All Saints. And What's happening? It was a church, it was like a church, old church hall, it had like drips coming through the ceiling. My memories of that are a long, long time ago, I was a very little boy. Let's move beyond the shed, where Emma talks about how the project started and the themes surrounding it. Um, in September we started to come up with different questions that we wanted our projects to sort of cover. And they were like, what does inclusion mean to you? Um, how do you feel included in your community and different things about identity and representation and those were sort of the key words that came up and they sort of were acted as a stimulus for the rest of our project. And we started to, um, we, I've individually worked with Tram Shed but we've also worked with Harlow Shed I think, Angel Shed, yeah and lots of other like sheds. Yeah, sheds. <laughs> big, 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 big questions. Big, 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 big questions. Hiya, it's Martha. Yamin Choudhury is the joint CEO and artistic director at Hackney Empire, who first started at Haringey Shed. Anna sat down with him over Zoom on a rainy May morning to talk about his chicken shed journey, his life, and some advice for young people. My name is Yamin Choudhury. I am the Joint Chief Executive and Artistic Director at Hackney Empire. I started at Haringey Shed as a practitioner in, or, or volunteer trainee in 2003, I think it was. Um, not long after Shed, the Haringey Shed had first been set up. 
and kind of went through the motions there. A lot, most of my practice was informed in that time. I really found what I loved about the industry at that time and then gigged in everything from technical management, stage management, production management, went into events, started doing festivals and things to pay the bills. I just loved live events. Then went abroad, um, worked abroad for about five years. And then Hackney Empire came calling, wanted to rebrand all of their, or completely redevelop all of their youth work. Came back to London and then became artistic director in 2018. I grew up in Haringey in in the 80s and 90s. Didn't do very well in school. I think I was bright, but book book and board learning just wasn't for me. I didn't I couldn't access that kind of education. And um kind of was very pigeonholed from a young age without realizing it. The expectations of what particularly from my kind of viewpoint, the expectations of what young men could achieve in areas like Tottenham and Wood Green and places like that were kind of archetypal and limited. And so I made a lot of bad decisions and got into a lot of trouble. This is kind of mid-teens and, and just was very disengaged and very directionless, very isolated. And then a series of things happened in the early 2000s, which kind of sent me really close to rock bottom. I was in legal trouble and involved in you know what a lot of young young guys that I was growing up with what we were doing back then and Haringey Shed came up as this thing I'd always had an interest in drama but didn't really know what that was or what that meant um, or how that was going to manifest and definitely not how to make a living off it so anyway I go to Haringey Shed I was 17 I had no clue what I was doing but it was this really amazing feeling that I had on that first day. This feeling of being useful, this feeling of being necessary that I hadn't really experienced before. And I remember on my first day, so I, I volunteered for the summer theater, the youth, so Haringey Shed, for those people that don't know very, very quickly, Haringey Shed is an inclusive theater company, musical theater company, much like Chicken Shed. I volunteered for the summer theater. It was two weeks and you know, 60, 70 young people, you know, from across the spectrum of abilities and backgrounds and cultures and lifestyles came together and in 10 days created this incredible piece of youth theatre, musical theatre. And on the first day, one of my heroes, who was the company manager, I think that was her title at the time, Busy Webster, Elizabeth Webster. She came up to me, I remember this vividly. She came up to me and she said, yeah, I mean, that was great, but what can we do better tomorrow? And nobody had ever asked me that before. Nobody had ever really valued my opinion. And that really made me go, this is important. I want to I wanna do well here. I want to help. And the young people were so amazing, but they also had their own issues and their own difficulties. And I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to, I wanted to create support structures that I didn't have. And that was it. I was there for, so I was only supposed to be there for two weeks as a volunteer on this summer theater. And I fell in love. There's no other way of putting it. I saw this whole new horizon for myself. I, I couldn't get enough of it. And it was a stimulus. It was a catalyst for me to really sort my life out. Because there was this group of people who were wonderful and friendly and intelligent and capable who just came together 
to provide opportunities for people and I, I didn't I didn't know that that existed and when it when I did know it existed I had to have more of it I went to uni I wanted to really get some qualifications I wanted to I wanted to be a part of this thing that I discovered I wasn't going to let it go finished uni and having gay shed was restructuring and I'd just done a summer theatre. They came to me at the end of that summer theatre and said, listen, we put you forward for this. We think you'd be great. I think you should make the time for it. And that was all it took. Again, it was these people I didn't know, just really investing in people and trying to make make sense of it all. And uh, and so, yeah, so I became a, a an outreach practitioner, I think it was called, and started redesigning the outreach programmes. Because what I had that Harry and Geisha didn't necessarily have in the same way was that I was from Tottenham. I understood Tottenham, I understood Harry and Gay, and I understood these kids that are disengaged and kind of not attached. I knew how to go in for one hour a week for six weeks. And by the second week, that's it. They're switched on. They, they're, they're ready to keep it rolling. And I became the youth theatre director. Probably three of the best years of my life just being living Haringey Shed. Amazing time in my life and, and I owe everything to it. No, my favourite memories are um, the kids. I fell in love. I fell in love every time we recruited because I saw these amazing young people who just were looking for a safe space and just wanted to be accepted and nurtured and had school lives or home lives that didn't really represent who they were. And then they came to Haringey Shed and we saw them. It was so powerful. The team we had was incredible, from the volunteers to the paid staff to the part-time practitioners and the freelancers. I mean, we, it was like the Avengers. We didn't know it then, but we had accumulated people who I work with now, who are, you know, in the industry now. And we were in our 20s running this company, clueless, totally clueless. But that naivety was a real gift because there was no bounds to our ambitions. If we wanted to do it, we could do it. And it was a bit ropey at times. It's not the kind of thing I would do at Hackney Empire now. But back then it was revolutionary in a, in a few respects. Maybe that's too grandiose, but it felt like it. It really felt mm -hmm. like it. For somebody who was looking for family, it was perfect. I found this incredible home for myself. If you met yourself when you were just started Haringey Shed, what advice yeah. would you give yourself? Not to limit yourself to what you think the world expects of you. Depending on your socioeconomic background, where you exist, kind of where you're brought up, the, the level of education you have access to, it's really easy to feel like your pathways are being prescribed to you and that you don't really have control over what you can manifest in your future. So yeah, not to feel so locked in to this lifestyle. I thought I was a real leader in my area. We're not before Shed and all of that. I, I really thought, but I wasn't, I was a follower. I was following the, what was accepted and what I thought would stop me being bullied or being singled out, kind of hyper-aggressive character that wasn't really me. So not to be so easily indoctrinated by what I think is going to be accepted by my peers. Now, my peers can be wider than, than just the people that I see regularly. You know, you have access. 
And if you don't have access, then it's the society's job to create those access points. And not to be scared of education. I was so terrible at school that I didn't really discover the joy of being well-informed. That was something I had to do later independently. That's a bit harder. So really to, to understand what, what a gift that is. But yeah, I think the main one would be to, to start planning early, to start really thinking about, thinking about how useful everybody is, yourself included, and not disregard how amazing you are as an individual or the amazing capability you might have if you apply yourself. What advice would you give to young people just coming out of this year? Be strategically long-term in everything for forever. Think about the long-term repercussions. Think about the long-term investments. Think about the life you want to have in 20, 30 years' time as opposed to the life you want to have in 2024. And start those motions now. Start it. It's attainable. You know, I am I am living, breathing proof that the trend can be bucked. Yeah, I worked really, really hard and I struggled. I networked and I was also really lucky in a lot of ways. I was lucky I found Haringey Shed. I was lucky that they hadn't staffed up fully. I was lucky that at Haringey Shed, Susie McKenna, who was the then creative director of Hackney Empire, was the artistic director of the summer shows. I was lucky that Warren Wills, one of the most amazing jazz pianist in the world was the musical director who then took me into my first West End show at the age of 19 as his musical assistant, where I'd I'd never, to this day, I've never had a a day of musical training. But when those opportunities came, I grabbed them with both hands because I was thinking about the long-term investment in in what this might provide. Because I was desperate. I was desperate not to be limited to what I'd already experienced. It's like... Being on the train with Harry Potter, going to Hogwarts for one day, and you see this magical world in front of you, and then the next day they say, all right, pack your bags, back to Wood Green for the humdrum regular life. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. I have to have this for forever. So think about that stuff. And you're never it's never too early to start that process. And whenever I talk to these, these young people now, you know, 13, 14, 12, whatever it is, and ask, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And they kind of stare at me blankly. That's a problem. Saying I don't know is not a problem because I didn't know. I don't know now what I want to do in 10 years time. But I recognize that I don't know and I want to find out. But just expecting things to fall into place or saying, you know what, whatever I get is good enough is not the case. Really think about how you deserve the best and then think about the ways that you're going to access the best in whatever respect you do. You know, the young people who we work with at, at Hackney Empire now, incredible young people, incredible, unbelievably talented, genius young people, to every one of them. I don't care if they end up on stage or work in a library. It's not, I, I'm not focused on, on what our generic models of success look like. I'm focused on what you think success looks like. What's success for you? Great, let's get that now. But you have to start. You don't put it off. Don't think about tomorrow all the time. Focus on what can I start doing now? Small, minuscule changes to my lifestyle, to my attitude, to what I think of myself, how I feel about myself as a person. Let me try and shift that a little bit. And if I can't do it myself, let me try and access the support structures or the resources that will enable me to do that. And just slowly, incrementally start creating this incredible life for yourself that I think everybody can Everybody deserves. 
And for the creative interlude this week, we delve into Beyond the Shed, where community was the key theme of the piece, connecting with other sheds in the UK. Community means to me when everyone feels together and belonging in a place or in a group of people. Community means that we take part in what we love most and join together to help others. Community means to me when family get together and friends and they get new friends and they start spreading it all over the world. Everyone needs to be in a community because the feeling of belonging and togetherness makes everyone feel just happy and it makes you feel, it's hard to explain, but it makes you feel really happy. When the pandemic started, people stopped using planes, so the skies were clearer. Changes have been positive because everyone's kind of come together and helped out. Like, I remember there was um, someone who brought round essentials for people who couldn't get them, and it just felt like everyone was closer. I think people are more cherishing their friends and family more because they can't see them and before they were taking them for granted. Now they realise how important they are. Oh, we started becoming more social. Like um, People are seeing um, family members more and getting together because it's been taken away. So it's like a privilege now. I remember when the first lockdown, when we were doing the clap for the NHS, I, I saw neighbours I haven't even know, known they existed, and they just came out and we just started getting to know all of them. I went on walks with my friends and walked a dog, Charlie. Was it every week when they'd put on their pants? Yeah, the community done that and everyone done it, so it spread a joy. People more likely now talk to each other. Yeah, they might be more friendly because people might be struggling in the pandemic now. So it might be a bit like you have to show everybody kindness. I just smiled and we were more connected. For the last section of this episode, we hear a conversation between the young producers of Social Dreaming, Marnie and Noah. What is it like for a session to be completely youth-led? I mean, I really enjoy it. I think it's fun, um, kind of doing something all together. And I think like you feel like you've got like a real ownership of the projects. And I think like, um, like the youth theatre in the room feel that way kind of too, because it's like we're all kind of on the same like level really there's no really like difference to an extent so I think it's like really nice in that way yeah I think there's a kind of comfortability where you're a little bit less self-conscious maybe of, of being in some way not not that you would ever actually feel judged by like a member of staff or an adult here but I guess you you feel like you're on par that you can't like say the wrong thing because everyone's kind of the same age and at the same I don't know yeah like on Zoom I especially felt that like because everyone's sort of very equal on Zoom because you're all sort of just sitting there on your screens 
I think it kind of enabled there to be a bit more conversation because there wasn't that sudden like thing of oh that's an adult in the room mm. it was like I think there's a lot of honesty especially from Zoom that we got in the project like a lot of stuff that people were saying that I don't know it might have been different if someone else was leading it maybe who knows but. yeah people can hum- become a little bit more closer as a kind of collect like cast yeah rather than like in a youth session where you feel that like maybe teacher student divide okay how did you decide on a theme or on the theme what is the theme so <laughs> the theme is um, so we're looking at <laughs> we're looking at kind of growing up and throughout growing up like the different like we can't sing like moments of consciousness so it's like the moment you realize like your parents had like a whole life before you and it's like kind of everyone goes through that moment but like that moment might occur to you at the age of 16 or that might occur to you at the age of 11 so it's like looking at growing up but like through that lens and also through like our different perspectives on like a certain world like a world event for example um so like how we all felt at the time of i don't know if, which one but something for example that might come up um <laughs> no spoilers no spoilers <laughs> come watch the show um <laughs> sorry not show event event sorry come watch the event um how did you come up with the was it given to you or was it no well like it to be honest it was actually quite hard because when Robin and Matt sort of told us, they were like, oh yeah, it doesn't have a theme. Like, mm. you can kind of do what you want, which was like simultaneously like really exciting and also absolutely terrifying yeah. because we were literally like spent the first like half of the term, mm. like kind of shooting in the dark, like let's see what happens. And like over Zoom, I don't remember, I think we did a sort of a brainstorm together on like different ideas of yeah. things that maybe felt relevant that were happening at the time. Mm. And then over Zoom, we started to, like, look at stories and, like, storytelling and fairy yeah. tales. And I think through that, ended up having kind of conversations about childhood, which then led mm. to us thinking more about growing up. And I think also the aspect of being in a space that was just, like, youth mm. meant that those conversations were happening more, maybe. Yeah, I think so. So it kind of happened quite naturally out of just the process. Yeah, yeah I would say so I think it was quite stressful at the beginning not mm-hmm. stressful but a bit like ah and it's only quite recently that I think we've got it like solid like even at the end of last term it's really kind of s- switched up mm-hmm. what we were doing which I think is quite nice having that like flexibility um, that we are able to like switch up I guess and I guess there's a bit of pressure I, because we're not calling it a show and mm-hmm. it is an event there is a little bit of pressure taken off in terms of this doesn't need to be like something that we would do at Chicken Shed before it can kind of there is a bit of freedom in that, which maybe, mm. I don't know, it hinders in, in lots of ways, but it also can help in that aspect. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and that idea of, like, consciousness came from, like, a free writing, and someone mentioned, wrote about um, a, a moment they became conscious and then and used that word, and then we were like, oh, that could be interesting. Mm. We had, like, a discussion in a session the other day, and someone, like, brought it up. Yeah. And it kind of, like, I think... So, yeah, very much do, like, talking with the cast, I think. Yeah, and I think it's, like, youth-led in that sense that it's not just, like, led as such by people, like, from the front, but also, like, it's, like, from kind of, like, within. Like, everything we've done is literally, like, from them, literally. So it's quite nice in that sense, I guess. Cool. Um, Do you feel the pressure of facilitating slash delivering? I like it. Um, I think there is some pressure about it, but I don't know. I quite enjoy it. What do you think? Yeah, I think... To be honest, for the first, when we had the first session, I literally had to like rehearse it in my head. <laughs> I know that's so embarrassing. Maybe, I don't know how much more you feel that in. 
I've never been able to tell that, by the way. Really? I've never noticed that. No, because I can see things, but I can't explain it. You've done that so chicken shit. Just the way Marley was explaining <laughs> the seeing things rather than saying it, she should. She did the movie. She did the movie. For, for those listening at home. And then last one, what are you looking forward to about the project? I'm hoping that there'll be some kind of event which we can do some kind so of performance. There is an event. There, 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 there will is, be an event, be but event. I really hope that in the event there is some kind of performance that we can really get out of it. Um, preferably like a rave. Can we, can <laughs> we want to do a rave. A COVID rave. <laughs> a COVID rave. A rave through the ages, kind of. Um, I would love that. Um, can you tell Marnie's a uni student? <laughs> Marnie hasn't had fresh. <laughs> hey, um, I would love that. Just be on stage with everyone again. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. It would. Be- I hope that we'll be able to do things using contact. Um, and I also hope that like people go away from the project feeling like there's something of themselves in it, and like everyone mm. like feels like they contributed to it, and it doesn't just turn into like me and Marnie making a show, but rather us all together like making a show which is quite hard to do but I think if everyone could come away feeling kind of in some way proud of what they put into it that would make me feel really good yeah I think that's it that was a lovely way to end it yeah (laughs)